Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so much evil? Science just proves the Bible. How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Good morning, everyone. We're into the time of Israel's history where the kingdoms are divided now between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And honestly, uh, both kingdoms were a bit of a mess, weren't they? If you read in First and Second Samuel, and then especially First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you will see that um, the kings that followed Solomon were not a great bunch of men. In fact, uh, most of them were vile. If you go through and just make an account of these kings, and I put a chart up that I hope you can see as I'm speaking right now, you'll see that virtually all of them were either vile or mostly vile. Uh, only a couple of them were good at all. And they all usually died by uh, tragic means, murdered, um, other, other things. And in 722 BC, the kingdom of Israel was finally ended. It was taken over by the Assyrians. Uh, most of the kings during this time shared this in common. They worshipped idols and they led their people away from the living God. And their favorite idol, it seemed, was the god Baal, B-A-A-L, the god Baal or Baal. And the greatest example of one who worshipped this idol is King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel. And they're famous because of the showdown they had with Elijah one day and the 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah on uh, a mountain in Israel. And we're going to go to that actually on Monday as we start next week. But let me pick up what uh, Ahab looks like when his reign begins. In 1 Kings chapter 16, it says, Ahab, son of Omri, that is the king prior to him, his father, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, which was Solomon's son, the first king who fell into idolatry, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. And he began to worship and bow down before Baal. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria, where, where God was supposed to be in the, in the worship of him there. And then he set up an Asherah pole, which was, again, a, a fertility-type god that was connected to Baal. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings in Israel before him. And so it's, it's a tragic reign. But what I want to focus in on today is, who is this god Baal? And why was he so popular as a god to be worshipped? What was it about Baal that was so seductive to kings and to the population that they led? And to understand that, I think, to understand Baal's power over people, we really must understand every idol's power over people. In Exodus chapter 20, God warns the people, as we are warned today, you shall have no other gods but me. No one else but me should you worship as a god. And you should not make an image before, uh, uh, sorry, you should not make an image to worship and to bow down before. So that really means that an idol is anything that someone, you or I or someone else, creates that actually replaces the living God. 
we put it as a priority in front of our relationship with Him. And sometimes we create something or someone creates something for us that becomes the object of that God that we began to worship. Idols replace God when we believe that they bring us security and comfort. Let me say that again. Idols replace God when we believe that they bring us security and comfort. And in saying that, what I mean is this. We place our trust in something else besides God. In this case, the idol. We place our trust in the idol instead of in our living God. And really what that means is that anything that is around us is something that we can trust our lives to and put our security in. Anything can be that in our lives. And the list is endless, but it's usually found on two or three things. First, it's usually founded on something that provides us physical security, such as perhaps food or our personal health or some kind of safety that we enjoy. Secondly, it can be about relational dominance, how we can have power over other people and how we can have comfort at the expense of other people. And then thirdly, uh, the list is endless, but is often founded on our own personal pleasure. So that might be materialism and the stuff that we have around us and our reliance upon it to give us happiness or on something else like perhaps uh, our sexuality, uh, sex itself. Uh, Baal fit these categories, actually, for ancient Israel, because the god Baal was the god of fertility. It was the god of fertility related to crops, uh, and so the rain and the crops growing were related to Baal, and that provided then physical security for the people. They had enough to eat each day. Uh, Baal was also about, because it was a fertility-connected God, it was about children. Uh, and that was about people having children who would take care of them as they aged. And that was also about the relational power that they had over their families and in a large family having dominance over perhaps other families. And then the care for these people in their old age as their children were, were required to care for them. And then finally, Baal being a fertility God was also about personal pleasure about temple prostitution and about, uh, about deviant sexual practices that were practiced under the, uh, under the order of worship of this god, Baal. Now, there were also some despicable things that Baal uh, and the worship of Baal were involved in, such as child sacrifice. Your first child was often sacrificed to Baal just to show that you meant that you really worshipped him. And so there were terrible, terrible things associated with Baal. And it's a wonder that uh, the Israelites at all could, could move from worshipping the living God who had rescued them from Egypt and had given them this land and everything in it to this, uh, to this rock, this piece of wood that they worshipped. But here's the issue for all of us. Idols, just like back then, are expensive to us. They demand really everything from us, and they enslave us uh, forever. For Baal, it was child sacrifice. It was uh, temple prostitution. Uh, it was immoral worship. And it was superstition around thinking that he was going to bring rain when, in fact, he was just a rock that had been carved into an image or he was a pole that was placed in the ground that was a bit of a, of a phallic symbol. Um, but idols talk to us in this way, don't they? Idols basically say, if you don't get what you need, then you must have angered us. Uh, and so you must try harder. You must work harder to make uh, the God that you are worshiping take care of you. Uh, 
So uh, give more. Uh, do whatever the priest tells you was what was going on uh, back in that day. And uh, isn't it interesting that even today in our own faith, some Christians have this semi-superstitious belief that if they just work harder or they try to do better, God will give them what they want. Uh, have you heard this before? Well, God didn't answer your prayer, so he must be mad at you. Or have you thought this when your prayers weren't answered? I, I guess I just didn't have enough faith. So maybe I need to give more in terms of my material possessions. Or maybe I just have to try harder and then God will hear my prayer and answer me. It's a matter of me not being good enough. And yet, what does God say? God says, I love you unconditionally. And Jesus died for you because you're not good enough. And so you don't have to worry about that. I have covered all that for you. How about this one? Uh, do whatever the minister tells you. Actually, he's the one that has the direct line to God, and so he's the one that can tell you how to best live your life. And yet, yes, hopefully your pastor will have a, a good insight into what is a life of holiness that we can all live together. Uh, but there is nothing in the scriptures that say that ministers or Christian leaders live on a higher plane next to God than the rest of us. In fact, it says the opposite. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all equal in God's sight. Well, as we look at idols and specifically Baal today, here's the conclusion. You know, even we can fall into pagan beliefs today as we try to worship the living God by making idols out of our faith and turning it into a religion that we work at instead of a relationship that we have with the true God of holiness, of grace, and of unconditional love in our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, who died for you, and who died for me. So as I finish with this, before we go and look at this a little bit more on Monday, uh, here's the question that I want to leave you with over the weekend. What are you tempted to place your security in today? I'll ask it again. What are you tempted to put your security in today rather than the living God? You know, in North America, I think there are three common ones for many of us, and I'll tell you those, but it may be something else for you. Here they are, however. The first one is materialism. I think in North America, uh, many of us uh, believe the lie of, of that having enough stuff to enjoy the good life uh, is really something that we need to chase after with our lives. And it, it's often in doing that uh, at, at the cost of others. We try to gather as much as we can to have this wonderful, comfortable life while the rest of the world goes without because we're hoarding things instead of being generous with what God has given us. And materialism never satisfies because no matter how much you have, if you are materialistic, it's never enough. I think another idol that we struggle with is, is our health. It's a believing the lie that living as long as we can is really what life is all about. And yet again, there's nowhere in the Bible that says live as long as you can. Rather, the Bible says live honoring God with your life and God will count your days. Your days are numbered and the Lord will give those to you as a gift. And for some it may be a short time, for some it may be a longer time. But those also are ordained by God. And we fall into the trap then that if I'm suffering with my health, uh, then, you know, it, it's wrong. That there's something wrong with me. Uh, God is not blessing me. Maybe he's angry with me or not listening to my prayers. And yet I've known people who struggle with, with their physical health and they are the greatest witness of Jesus Christ that I've ever met. Wonderful examples of people who worship God in spite of their health, not because of their health. Finally, uh, we fall into the, the idol of pleasure here in North America. Uh, and that's the lie that my personal pleasures power my happiness and my purpose. 
And of course, since pleasure is what we see all around us, uh, it's worth pursuing, we think. I mean, after all, all of the celebrities around us, all of the magazines, all of the television shows seem to be all about having as much pleasure as we possibly can. And yet again, the Bible says, don't put your hope in that. Don't worship pleasure. Worship me, God says. I am your security. I will be the pleasure of your life. I will be your joy and your salvation. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and, and I will give you rest. You can rest in me. You don't have to work so hard. Jesus went on and said, what does it profit someone to gain the entire world and to lose their soul? What, what is your soul worth to you? And of course, Jesus said, if you want to be greatest with me, then serve people. And love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself and you will find life with me as you stay connected with me and I with you. As you go into your weekend, uh, can I just send you with the thought of saying, God, how can I draw closer to you and leave these idols behind that are seducing so many of us today? God, will you just Give me the opportunity to understand this again today, to recommit my life to you and to follow you in a way that brings me the joy that only being with you can bring. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have created us. Thank you that you have given us so much to enjoy. But Lord, we enjoy that under your reign in our lives. We do not pursue any of these things in the world uh, to worship them but rather we worship you and receive from you all that you would have for us. Uh, and Lord, the things that you do not give us, Lord, there are good reasons why. And, and so, Father, may we enjoy this weekend. May we enjoy one another. May we enjoy worshiping you together on Sunday this weekend. But Father, may we always keep in mind that everything we have and everything that we are is a gift from you, our Creator God, whom one day we will stand in front of again. Uh, and Lord, we want to stand there with Jesus, having covered our sin and our pain. We bless you, God. We thank you for this day. Amen. Lord be with you.